Good morning and welcome to the Weldon Green Podcast. Today I'm going to bring you a new episode of the Ask Weldon Show. You can check the show out live every day, 6.30 p.m. at twitch.tv slash mindgamesweldon. And remember that everything in the Mind Games brand is supported by the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash MAC. And you guys should use the code podcast as you're listening to the audio version of the show rather than the code that I share during the video. All right, let's hop into it. One. Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 212, Improving Your Shot Calling for Clash. No big announcements today. We are back into the swing of things. It's the second day back from the TSM boot camp. And uh, here we are, still streaming every single day, 6.30 p.m. LA time. So the show must go on and it is going on. Three really great questions today. I'm excited about those. And... I'm reading Oathbringer. Yes, it came out. I had, I knew it was coming out in November. And then I thought that I had actually read it, I think, after that. Like, I forgot that it was that it had come out and that I had not read it. So, like, I think in January, February, I was like, oh, yeah, the new, the new uh, Brandon Sanderson novel has come out. And I read it. But I didn't, I didn't spend any time thinking that I actually hadn't read it. I was like, how could I not have read it? It came out months ago, right? And then I got to the TSM house and I saw a copy and I, and I was like, wait a second, I haven't read this. So uh, I've been reading it. I wrote it, I was reading it on the flight home and I'm digging through it now. It's really good as expected of anything that Brandon Sanderson writes. Holy cow. Um, yeah, no other announcements. So why don't we just jump into the show? All right. The first question for today is the last question is the best one. Okay, so stick around for that one. But the first question for the day is, can I burn out in the work environment? Let's find out. Where'd the question go? There it is. I'm also curious about mesocycles in the work. Oh, Right, so this is a question from Ryan, and he just asked a previous question, and this is his, like, number two question. So that's why it starts out with a, uh, you know, without a little simple introduction. I'm also curious about mesocycles in the work environment. Um, should I start tracking my sleep a little bit more? I've uh, felt like I kind of wore myself out entirely, like, just hit burnout, and tried to keep going, I guess, and didn't realize that I needed to slow down. And how do you advise I work in um, active recovery into my work life um, along with my free time? Thank you. All right. Well, I think this is this is pretty simple. Uh, active recovery and passive recovery. Let me delineate between those. So passive recovery is when you're just chilling, watching Netflix, not working... Um, active recovery is things like when you're doing exercise, walking, physical activity, which generally we see of as work, right? But they're also a restorative, um, activity that you can do if, if you're thinking about doing work at a, at an office job or something like that, moving your body, getting your brain, getting blood flow to your brain, things like meditation, eating, uh, sleep, these can all be pass uh, active recovery, um, conversation socializing with friends and passive recovery we generally see as oh actually I, th- I would put sleep in the passive recovery and i would put napping in the active recovery passive recovery we usually see as sleeping 
and just chilling and kind of doing nothing, maybe fishing, you know, these kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of activities that you just use to pass the time, uh, escapism stuff. All right. So burnout in work is a real thing. It, people have been studying it in psychology. People are trying to figure out how to make sure that employees do not burn out and that they, you know, that they maintain high motivation, that they get good recovery and good rest. And the answer to this is completely dependent on your motivation and your stage in life and and what you want out of your workplace. Because some people can do 80 hours a week and it's what they want to do and they're not going to burn out for years. And some people need to be doing 35 to 40 hours a week and they need, you know, three to six weeks of vacation a year and they need their weekends uh, because that's the stage they are in their enjoyment of their job and, and the place that the job fits in their life. And so I think that this is a very personal question, but what you should do is work on, first, you should make sure that you're checking out well, right? That you're, when you're done with work, you're done with work. So, so really separating and making sure that you're not carrying anything out of the workplace in terms of stressful relationships, um, worrying about deadlines, getting things done for your boss. Like you need to be able to turn off your working brain and take all of that stuff uh, away. So for example, make sure that your phone doesn't have any notifications on it for work communications. Make sure your work communications end at a very, very specific time. And at that time, you say you have mantras and ways of rationalizing and dealing with communication that are and deadlines that are basically like, put it off till tomorrow. And it helps to have experience like I've had, which is that it's not the end of the world if something doesn't get done, right? So there's a deadline coming up, it's, you know, tomorrow, and there's more information coming in, and and you're you're done with work for the day, you just have to be done. Uh, That's easy for me to do, because I have kids, so I pick up the kids, and then there's literally, I'm done with work, there's nothing I can do about it. So I just have to put all of my effort on setting it aside mentally. Every single time it comes up, nope, you know, stop those thoughts, get mindful, focus on the present moment, focus on what you're doing. So I would say the more, the better that you get at focusing directly on the moment and the thing that you're doing right there, whether it's playing outside, um, you know, going to the gym, listening to a podcast with your with your girlfriend, uh, watching a TV show, whatever it is, uh, set aside everything from work that enters your mind. Learn to just let it go. And by letting it go, of course, I don't mean letting it go. What I mean is being mindful and focusing on the present and letting it fade away. That is step one. If you're doing that, then uh, call me back. All right, let's jump into question number two. That's like step one and step two through 20 also. And, uh, and then it's also step 21 through 700. So just keep doing that better. And um, yeah, obviously the first thing I talked about, which was make sure that you're appropriating the amount of the right amount of time to work and to not work. Mm, I forget what the second question is going to be. Ah, right. From Scott. Another question about burnout. Hi, my question is about how to recover from a burnout. I started making videos at an early age around like 10 I got into visual effects a little later and took trade school classes in junior high and high school. Then eventually I won a scholarship to college for visual effects, 
But by then, I was burnt out from years of learning the same thing over and over again. Um, and then college was pretty much the same thing that the trade schools taught me. So I got really tired of it. And now I've taken about a year break and decided to just pursue it on my own. Uh, I was wondering if you knew psychologically what went wrong there and how I might have been able to do things differently to have had a better past. Thanks. All right. First of all, thank you so much for the question. It's very interesting. So this has to do with motivation, right? And locus of control, whether it's internal or external, or whether you're motivated by mastery or um, or or attempted to be motivated externally through the system. I think that when we look at when we look at um, internal motivation, the theory that I like to use is self determination theory, which is um, which is from the 80s and 90s, actually, was when it was first founded by Desi and Ryan, the researchers who kind of started, started, kicked off this group of theories. And the theory is based around the satisfaction of needs, that, that as you satisfy your needs, you have more and more and more internal motivation. And as they are unsatisfied, you need more and more external motivation in order to accomplish a task. And so we would say like the pinnacle of internal motivation would be when you are you have full competence, autonomy, and relatedness. And so autonomy is, um, and, and also all of this, by the way, is prefaced on the idea that, that people want to develop, that they want to improve and grow, that they want to feel that growth, that mastery, that pursuit of mastery. And so I think that what you were doing, you know, the first, the first kind of internally motivated tact that you had was full of this pursuit of mastery, um, and high autonomy and high competence, meaning you would you would go study something and you'd try to figure it out and then you would learn how to do it and then you would feel like you accomplished it. And and then a segment of relatedness, right? So you have a connectedness with the social um, the social aspects of what you're doing. So you're either with people and you're going through the journey or you're um, you're learning from other people or you're learning for other people or you have a connectedness with your team and these kinds of things. Uh, so I would say the first thing that you should look at is, is did your needs, did your needs drop during, like did the satisfaction of your needs drop during any of these, any of these movements? So first of all, I think the actual pursuit of mastery went away, right? When you're learning something that you already know, you're not refining it or pursuing mastery in it anymore. You're, you're just kind of like reiterating it. So you need to have some sort of other need that's being fulfilled there, um, when you let, if we go back through the needs, let's say you're in college now and you've already learned everything in trade school, your sense of autonomy has got to be non-existent because instead of choosing what you want to learn or the task, like the job choosing what you need to learn, there's a there's like a fully constructed curriculum forcing you to do a certain thing, so you have no autonomy, right? Probably trade school too. You choose you chose to went you chose to go there. It was a volitional choice, right? The scholarship, they handed it to you, and they're like, you have to come here if you want the scholarship, so you're already compromising your autonomy there. Um, it's less of an opportunity, more of like a golden shackles. Your competence, okay, so like your competence is, is the need for that is satisfied when you have a challenge that's like just out of your reach and you accomplish it. I plus one is the best place for the mind to function where there's so i is everything that you can do and plus one is that one thing you can't and you add on to it and you're moving forward right and your 
needs for competence are not satisfied when you go into a classroom and they say, do these seven activities, and you're like, snooze, I can do these, and then you do them and you learn one stupid thing that you didn't already know, and it's kind of irrelevant anyway because it's nothing related to a task that you want to accomplish in the first place, and you didn't choose them because your autonomy is zero. Uh, And as far as relatedness, maybe that was better in college. Like maybe you were surrounded by a community and a group of people that you really enjoyed. And that's what kind of like helped you coast along for a while before you finally gave it up. And that's what's causing this conflict um, is that it was satisfying a need that you that you maybe didn't even care about before. Um, You know, which is that you were part of a professional network. And you were growing there. But you can satisfy this need outside of college. You can find professional networks. You can go to After Effects conferences. You can, um, you know, you can, you can build your, your connectedness with the field and other people who are striving to do the same thing, you know, with a team, whatever, uh, with, with your workplace, with your whatever company you work at. You can do that independent of university. So... That's kind of what went wrong there. Um, And I'm glad that you fixed it. Super glad to hear that you left and that you're trying to do it on your own. And I think that if you you search self-determination theory, you'll find the Wikipedia. You can figure out, you can read a little bit more about these needs and you can understand uh, the definitions of them a little bit more and you can kind of see the pattern of the bad decisions that you made, or the, the decisions that weren't necessarily bad even at the time, right? The decisions that you made that reduced your own satisfaction of those needs. And now that you've reflected on it, you can write down a little pieces of advice to yourself a lot. Like what are, like how do you satisfy those needs and what actions do you take to do those? And then you can make the correct decision for the next six months, year. Good luck. All right, last question. Before we get into it, I want to recommend the Mac program for you guys. This is the training program that I use to support everything I'm doing with this channel and this brand, aside from our wonderful subs and donators, by the way. And you can go to mindgames.gg slash MAC to find this program. Uh, You can use the code AskWeldon to get your $5 discount, which basically tells me that you came from this YouTube video or this Twitch stream. And then you can check out the 47 online videos sequentially placed in seven modules seven sessions each that take you through the concepts of mindfulness, identifying your internal states, acceptance, learning to try to accept them, and commitment, which is then controlling your actions or your behavior towards your value-driven goals. So how do you then discipline yourself? It's a whole program about discipline, but from the performance aspect. And people use this for performance. It's a performance-based program, sports psychology, and it is centered around mindfulness base sport performance enhancement, but you can use it for non-sport activities. And uh, certainly it is catered to eSport in terms of the language I use, but it's not it's not exclusively for improving your eSport performance. Okay, let's jump into the last question. Hello, Ellen. This is Cleander speaking, and I'd like to ask about how to um, crispen up the team communication on, in terms of making better calls and more effective calls that require less time for the other players to process. Because when we're playing Clash or when I'm playing with a bunch of my friends that are trying to play in the Clash, the issue is that the calls tend to be very unclear and it's not very decisive, so we either hesitate on making the important 
engage or we don't know what the objective is that we're supposed to focus on. How do you work on that? Okay. So the number one thing that you have to do to improve your shot calling is to assign the responsible person is to determine the leader in the situation. Now, this would be easy if you were in the army and you had a sergeant and you could just say he's the leader, right? But it's different in League of Legends because, first of all, every single composition is different. Every single composition has different, um, like a different setup, first of all. And secondly, in every single game, you're going to have different people that succeed in the laning phase and fail in the laning phase. It is unpractical to assume or figure out... Uh, it is unpractical to assume or or believe that it's going to be the case that every single lane is going to succeed, or even that the lane that you draft for is going to succeed. It's more probable that you'll have a random lane that succeeds and that you need to build your game plan around, you know, for the mid game and the end game. And so the person, I want you to think about it this way. The best idea of what to do next, the best possible idea that your five people can come up with is somewhere on the team right? Somebody has it in their head. It's not the best idea, period, because otherwise you would be pros. Um, I mean, like, you'd be world champions. It's the best idea that your team can come up with, and it's stuck in somebody's brain on the team. And your jo- the job of the shot-calling system is to get that idea out, democratically or authoritatively decide on doing that idea, and then executing it cleanly, Okay. So when you look at a shot calling system, you want to think, well, how good is it at getting ideas out? How good is it at determining the best idea? How good is it at executing on that idea once it's decided? And those are the areas that you need to clean up. So the way that I determine um, the be- like is the idea getting out is that everybody needs to be talking and not tilting. So everybody needs to be suggesting their ideas, um, the ones that they do have, and they need to feel free to share them. There needs to be a power dynamic that allows for sharing them, and it needs to not interfere with other communication. Uh, Then how do you determine what is the best one? Well, first of all, um, I try to make sure that... Let's step back a step. What to do if people are not sharing ideas? Make sure that the person who's in the best position to come up with the best plan does, which means the responsible person. Okay, And this kind of goes hand in hand with deciding what the best idea is. The responsible person, first of all, is the person pushing the button. So if you have a Zach on your team and he's a jungler, he is the person who engages, period. It's his responsibility. It's his responsibility to know when to engage, to have ideas about how to engage, and to then pull the trigger and engage. Other people can suggest like, oh, we can engage here, or, or the AD carry doesn't have flash, so next time you see him in mid lane, like, go ahead and engage on him, I'm ready then it's the jungler's job to execute on that, right? Uh, or to determine that it's happening to execute on it. But the person who's pushing the button has the responsibility. And so if they're the one who's not talking about things that they can do to engage, then you can encourage them. You say, okay, you're the engager. So we need you in this game to suggest like when you want to engage. You know you're the expert in engaging on Zach. And so, and, and this other guy's tracking summoners. So you need to be asking who doesn't have summoner and, um, looking and, and talking about, you know, who you want to engage on and, and what situation you're going to find that you can engage. Um, and then there's the, and then there's the, uh, the 80 carry situation, right? So let's say you have a carry who has a, who has a lead and they're chipping down their turret, right? So what they should, they're responsible for calling the jungler to them, getting cover, uh, and then finishing off their turret and then rotating to the next the next lane with pressure right because they can clear the way first so they can get back first so they can have tempo so they can they can deploy on the map so, soon and get the right lane assignment 
So it's the people who are like winning their lanes or have won their lanes and, and have pressured their turrets and are pulling the jungle pressure um, to do that that are then free to have tempo and make plays on the map. And so they need to be, one, be the ones who are coming up with the next move. And if they're not, they're responsible for it. Now you can always say, well, the support should should you know respond what to do next, but the support is with the AD carry in a losing lane and just trying to get vision down so that they don't die. Um, he's not always going to be have his, able to have his head up and understand what's best for your champion for your position in the mid lane after you've taken down the mid turret, right? You need to figure that out. You need to be like, okay, well, I need to keep matching Vlad. No matter what, I can't go against their top laner. I can't go against their bot lane. I need to match Vlad, but I want to take the next turret. So I'm recalling. I've already cleared the wave. Trail me top and we'll gank the guy and try to take top turret. And then we'll reset back to the base and we'll see where Vlad is and I'll go match him, you know, or I'll go catch mid again, something like that. So the person who's actually taking the advantage needs to be coming up with the ideas. And if they're not, after the game, you can say like, you are responsible in this position for coming out of the day. We can, you can ask for ideas. You can say, I don't know what to do. It's fine, but you got to kick off the communication. Okay. So now we get to the clarity part. Then you need to decide which plan do we do and how do we all get behind it? So you need to come to a consensus that like, we're going to do a democratic shot calling system or we're going to do an authoritarian one. I recommend democratic. I think it, it provides higher level gameplay. Um, but authoritarian works fine in things like Clash, where you just need to all, generally speaking, everybody doing a single play will be more successful than another team who's not doing a play at all. So authoritarian shot calling systems work in amateur all the way up to the top level, right? Um, and they probably even work in challenger series, for crying out loud. Uh, so if that's what you want to do, then you just create a hierarchy, or there should be already a social hierarchy of power within the team, and the person sitting at the top you clarify their role. Clarify roles. Okay, that's how you make clear communications is you have clear roles. This person's call is, we've all decided as a group of five that this person's call is the call, period. We're going to do it. And it's also his responsibility to choose. He has to choose. It's now his job. And afterward, and we agree that it might not be the best play. We all agree that the thing he decides is probably not always going to be the best play, but if we do a play, then after the practice game, then we can decide if it was good or bad and we can learn from it. Okay? So everybody needs to be in agreement about that principle that we're gonna that this person's gonna determine the play, that he's on the hook for calling the play and, and saying this is what we're gonna do, and then that we're all okay if it goes to crap and fails because we're gonna learn from it uh, so that we can carry it forward in the game. And this should be someone, by the way, who's not scared to make those calls during the game or else you'd be in trouble, right? Because you'll practice one way and then nobody will be responsible in the game. So that's that's the authoritarian way. The democratic way is the person who pushes the button has the responsibility. So if you're the engager, you have to engage when, when you see the opportunity and then everybody else is mandated to follow up because you are the engaged champion that we drafted and that's your responsibility. This requires a lot more long-term training and a lot more trust building. So it might not be possible for your team, but... That's the basic principle is the person that has the lead is on the hook for the knowledge and the execution of their plan and their play. And the person who, uh, so like, you know, the whatever lane advantage there is. And then the person who wants to win the game is responsible for after that. Um, so there can be this like kind of dynamic of 
social hierarchy that determines it and it's more free-flowing. But that might not necessarily work for such a short-term event. Like that's something that you work on over a split, you know. Um, which is why I went into so much detail about option one. Okay. That's the show for you today, guys. And I hope that you enjoyed it. And this is my new YouTube end screen. I hope that you like it. I'm going to try to throw it up at the end for like 10, 15 seconds so that I can uh, try how the overlay looks on YouTube. And I will, don't forget to check me out on Twitch. And I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. That's the show for you today. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Remember, you can check out the show live at twitch.tv slash mindgameswelden every day, 6.30 p.m. And you can join the pre and post show chat where I answer questions from the audience in depth. We can kind of dig into them deeper because you're there to respond. And make sure that if you check out the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash MAC, that you guys use the code podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.